Leadership Matters, a podcast hosted by me, Steve Parker, a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership motivation and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, and world-class talent. We also offer some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and philosophy of some of Taiwan and the world's most successful leaders, and to find out more about why leadership matters. Steve Lynch, it's great to have you in the studio today. Uh, we're doing this online. Uh, you're in the UK. We're, I think you're, you're in Cambridge at the moment? Yes, moved back to Cambridge after 12 years in China. Wow. We're going to get into that. See, I know you as the, the head of the British Chamber in China, and I know that there's been a lot of developments that you've had over the years. Prior to China, where do you come from and kind of what led you to China in the first place? Well, I maybe have a unique but maybe standard China story. So I was offered a role in London just at finishing university, and it was everything I'd worked for. But suddenly the contract was in front of me and it was about a six or seven year contract. It was to go into junior management for a big firm. And I thought, wow, that's the rest of my life, right? In that contract, you don't go to junior management to, to leave. You go to junior management to go to senior management. So I thought I would do something completely different. Um, I started hearing about this China place at university. Um, so I thought, you know, why not give it a go? I'll move out there for six months. I didn't want to waste time is not the right word, but I thought I'll get a job there and I'll, I'll gain some international work experience for six months. Um, so I moved to China, didn't know anyone, had no real previous desires to, to live in China, but I uh, moved there for six months and then ended up staying for 12 years. Moved there, really loved the place, loved how business environment, loved how dynamic all the people I met were. So I thought, you know, I'll, I'll stay on a bit longer, I'll stay on a bit longer and I'll stay on a bit longer. And so, yeah, 12 years later, after a six month stint. It does pass, doesn't it? I've been uh, 35 years now in Asia, all up. And, uh, yep. you know, I'm currently based in Taipei and I've lived in Taipei longer than I've lived anywhere else in the world. Originally from Scotland, grew up in Australia and now in, uh, so I, I, I know what you're saying. I feel you're kind of, you know, you go somewhere and it just kind of draws you in. I've known you through the Chamber of Commerce, but I mean, what were you doing originally when you came, went to China? No, so that's not originally what I did. Um, I originally moved out and started working in events and marketing, I suppose. And then, you know, I really want to, I suppose, work in China a bit more long term. So I decided to learn the language and then looked at, you know, what's really important to me. And I thought, you know, being involved in the UK China space is really, really critical. Um, I saw longevity there because I liked living and working in China, but, you know, knew it was only, it was not forever. It would, it would be temporary. So I wanted to make sure I had something to go back to. And that was the, the UK China aspect of things. So taking my skill set of events and marketing, I transitioned to the British Chamber of Commerce. Uh, as an events executive, then worked my way up to, to the managing director. So this is not a career path that's been laid out for me. This was very much um, developed as it went. And, you know, ultimately, I, I think that now, you know, I think it's so important that you don't set yourself these parameters of this is what I want to do. I think actually being dynamic and being able to move and cross and transition to different aspects and different opportunities is really, really critical. So kind of, I suppose, even finishing the chamber now um, or leaving China after 12 years, um, you know, it's still a case of I still don't have a career path that I'm completely set on. And I actually think that's a good thing. This is interesting because I, I mean, I've been doing this podcast for two years now. And the more I talk to people, you know, like yourself, uh, leaders from different industries and stuff like that, everybody has a place that they get to, but nobody necessarily has the plan that would get them to that place. 
You, you know what I mean? It's like you start yeah. somewhere, you're interested in something, and it, it kind of just you move. You're open to the world, really. You know, the universe kind of invites you out there, and, and you go out. This feels like something that kind of I can see you smiling over the video here, but <laughs> it feels like something that sort of got to you as well. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think was really transformative for me was you know, just step down from my role as the managing director. So to get that managing director job was, was almost a dream for me when I first started the organization. I couldn't believe I could possibly be in this position. And I, but I remember getting the, the managing director job and, and coming in on the Monday morning and think, God, I have made it. You know, this is me. Everyone is going to be, you know, exactly who I am. But I walked in on Monday morning and everything was exactly the same. You were in the organization before that and you were promoted into the managing director's position. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But Often people believe success is a, you know, a destination. You know, if I get this job, if I earn this amount of money, I am successful. But, you know, one thing I learned on the Monday morning of the, the first day of the managing director is it, it's a journey. You know, it's, it's not about this is the destination. I have arrived. I am now a success or my perception of success. It's, it's a complete journey. And so, you know, six, seven years in that role, I realized success is, is a destination. It, life is a, is a journey. It's not about a start and an end point. You know, I found that when I, the first day I got into the job of the managing director role. So you're in an organization, then you're promoted up in that organization. That's an interesting path. I mean, often people come in from outside, you know, yeah. you, you move positions. Often people say the way to get success in your career, you've often, you have to kind of leave an organization to go somewhere else to get yeah. to your next level. But in your case, you're inside the organization. And then Friday, you're the, you know, in the position that you currently held. And then on Monday morning, you're the managing director. How do you find, do people view you differently? Do you view yourself differently? Do you, uh, do you have to change the way you operate with people? How do you take that leadership journey from being team member to being team leader? Taking on the role, the organization had challenges and me putting my hat in the ring as managing director. To be completely transparent, I didn't have management experience. I, I've always said a leader is different to a manager. I think leadership in, in many aspects is more important than management. Management is a skill you can learn. But there is a big difference between leadership and management. And so when I put my hat in the ring for the role, I remember being asked in the job interview, what's your management experience? Well, I have none, <laughs> uh, is the truth. But taking on the role, it was very much a belief in the vision and the objectives, how we, how we get to that. And the, you know, the truth was, um, I was relatively young to take over a managing director role. And I imagine there was a lot more people with experience than me. But I said, the number one, uh, you know, there was no one better in regards to experience than me because I've worked in the organization. I know exactly what it needs to transform to where we need to get to. But I said, that is your gamble. Again, I was very, very fortunate to have a board um, that supported in me and allowed me to, I suppose, thrive in this role. But of course, that came with huge management challenges. This is a lesson I've absolutely learned. I was so driven when I started as the managing director that I didn't bring people along with me. I, I was driven to get to these, to these goals. And you know, I, unfortunately, I alienated people by doing that because driving people forward in many aspects is good, but in many aspects, it's not. And instead of bringing people along with me, I pushed them along with me. And I understood that that works for some people, it doesn't work for some other people. So along that journey, I lost some people, but that made me really learn that you have to bring people with you. Then you get full buy into an organization. You can't just say, you know, be passionate, be driven, you know, do these things. It doesn't work. You've got to bring people with it and you've got to change the culture of the organization to bring people collectively to that to believe in that vision and those objectives together instead of you know i'm driving it it's we're driving it there's a couple of things in there i hear is that one is this having a vision right having the passion having a vision um there's another part of this this idea of uh you took a job you took a role you developed you showed success and then were rewarded by being in the room when the opportunity came up and so even your lack of 
certain qualifications that you might have felt. The board believed in you because of your demonstrated abilities and the fact that you're in the room and doing stuff, you know? So I can't stress this too much when I talk to people. I just think that you've got to be involved in things, get out there and let, you know, be part of the universe. How do you respond to something to that? I completely agree. You know, my perception of success has come through hard work. You know, I do think talent gets you so far, but talent without implementation doesn't get you anywhere. And I think being hardworking and driving is just so critical. So from the outset, that's always what I've believed in. Success comes in overall. Success comes in hard work and, and always being the one to drive it or make it happen. You know, we've always created our own luck because we've always found a way to make things happen, found a way to release a report, found a way to put on an event. You know, that's not just chance. That's not just luck. It's having a company culture that's willing to drive, go beyond uh, what, you know, I've always said, why, why do things that's okay? You know, do things that are great. Um, that drive and that passion is, is so important to do that. Um, and that's why, you know, obviously I've left the organization, but I'm so proud looking at the British Chamber of Commerce not just because of what we've achieved, but because of the people within it. You know, they're, they're so driven, they're so passionate, they're so hardworking, and they're incredibly talented as well. So for me, it's about managing that hard work and that talent because you can get someone who's extremely hardworking, but it, it might, you know, they, it might not mean a lot, but you can get someone extremely talented, but without that hard work, it, it, you know, it doesn't create um, the success that, that I think is, is critical. You've really touched on a few kind of very key points here, and I just want to summarize a couple of these things. Leadership is different to management. I've heard that from you, and I agree with you 100%. You've talked about being open to opportunity. Don't be afraid of the challenges. This idea of having a vision and being passionate about that vision. But also, you've learned that you know, it's not just enough to be passionate about your vision. You've also got to bring people with you. You, know, you have to allow other people to catch up to where you are sometimes. Hard work being a key to success. And the last thing you kind of threw out there is develop teams, you know, give people support and allow the talent to do. Our success as leaders, I think, comes from the success of those people around us. No, I, I completely agree. Again, we talk about mentorship and we talk about advice in our, all I can give is my experience. And I, and I think one of the things I always tell people is people come to me and they ask is, you know, what could I do with my career? Where I, could I go next? And I said, it's so important that you just take a self-evaluation about who you are as a person, what are your values? You know, what's your belief system? What are your skills? What are you really good at? What are maybe not, not so good at, but understand your values, your beliefs and your skills, and then look at the company that you might want to work for. Do your values fit with their values? Do your skills fit with the job that's required? Because, you know, a lot of people just want to work for a big company because it's so great to get on your CV, but actually it's not the right company for you. It doesn't hit your values. You know, say if you want to, you know, you're a nine to five person and this job's a, you know, a seven till seven, you know, that's not going to work or you've got a skill set that doesn't fit with that organization. And so I think it's so important that you match values, beliefs, skills with the right organization, not always possible. And you're never going to get a hundred percent to a hundred percent of what you're looking for. But I think that also comes back down to, you know, my hiring policy when I was, when I was working at the chamber, it's, it's surround yourself with people that believe in this organization, that have the skill set to, to work in this organization, you know, making sure they have the, the passion, you know, and the drive to, to work in an organization. I heard years ago, I don't know if this is true, but um, an example of this is, is Richard Branson. He, he would only hire people in Virgin Atlantic that sort of had this positive energy because I do firmly believe optimists do more. Passionate, you know, positive people will do more. I think his hiring policy was something around that, it, you know, he, he would hire people with, with a smile in, in job interviews or something like that. 
But I think there's real merit to that in regards to, I do believe, you know, optimistic, passionate, hard-driven people will do more for an organization. And it doesn't work always, but I do think, you know, something I really do firmly believe in is, is match your skill sets, your beliefs and your values with an organization and you, and you can thrive. Steve, you're a family man. You have children, a child at least, right? Child, yeah. Did you and your wife meet in China or you traveled together? No. So that's, that's why China holds such a, an amazing part of my, my heart because I met my wife in China. She's actually from the UK. She's from, from Newcastle in the UK, uh, which is why I said, you know, it's amazing to go all the way to China to meet a Geordie. Um, <laughs> she's my best friend and, and actually leaving China um, and sort of reflecting on our whole period. Um, whether that be through work or a big part of my life is is rugby and, and, and the rugby team out there. It was every success, every sort of uh, experience we kind of shared together. And so every kind of success I had in work, it was always driven from a, from a base of, of my wife supporting me and vice versa. And I believe that, you know, every success Leah had at work, it was, it was our, you know, success together. And so it's so important for me. But I think that's also great because, you know, Leah's fantastic in regards to making me my best self. You know, there's there's your strengths and there's people's weaknesses. And she really brings out all my strengths and to the fore. And that's kind of, you know, drives me to, to be my best self and drives me to kind of achieve more in every aspect of life, whether it's personal or professional, because, you know, I've got a support network at home. When I was younger, I used to kind of wonder why some companies would value this kind of family and home life aspect of who you are. Now, we all have different backgrounds, different kind of you know, the more I think about the, the kind of people that you surround yourself with, I think is also a reflection of the kind of leader or the kind of person and kind of contributor that you're going to be in a company. You know, it's almost like, you know, mm. the, we are defined by the company we keep. And I think mm. often, uh, you know, if you meet the sort of people that not necessarily just family, but, you know, the friends that people hang out with or the, the you know, I think this environment that we build for ourselves and, and I'm getting into a little bit more kind of esoteric topic here. But I yeah. think this environment that we build for ourselves has a massive influence, but also reveals our character in many ways as leaders. I'm not, I mean, what I've just heard from you about talking about, you know, the love you have for your wife, the love you have for your family, the support you had from them. This has to be a big part of your success uh, over this kind of, you know, stellar career that you've had in China. I think it comes back down to values and beliefs. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty resolute on what drives me. I'm pretty resolute on my morals, my values. Um, and I think you're right. You, you surround yourself with positivity and it brings positivity to your life. You know, I think if you look at some organizations and maybe you're the, the really positive ideas guy that's always driving and, and you might look around and it's just a stale organization. Well, maybe that's not the right organization for you. If you're surrounded with negativity, it is negative. If you're surrounded with positivity, it, it, it builds positivity. And I think, you know, optimism is infectious. Um, and I think it, it drives more. I just, I just do. I think optimists do more, positive people do more things. And so I look at my, you know, my, my friendship group and, you know, they're incredibly passionate, driven, dynamic people in whatever industry they do. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, if they're the, the CEO or they're, you know, maybe a student, it doesn't matter. If you, if you have the right character, it is infectious and it, and it does drive more. I, I really, really think that's important to not surround yourself with negativity, which is tough sometimes. No, it's not, that's not always a, within your you know, control, but I do think it's, it's really important. And I think the, the one really critical thing I've learned from, from China is diversity um, and actually how important, you know, understanding different people from different backgrounds are, different perspectives. You know, I was so fortunate to meet 
you know, every walk of life in China, whether it, you know, race, religion, sexual orientation, age. And actually it was just incredible to be kind of exposed to that, to understand, you know, different doesn't mean wrong. It means different. And actually understanding, you know, different people is just so critical to this world to, you know, some of the major issues we're actually facing currently is, is around different means wrong. And it doesn't, it just means different. And, and I was so, you know, that, that's been probably one of the biggest takeaways I've had from China is diversity is, is such a value. Um, and actually understanding from other people is, is brilliant, but it does come back down to wherever they are from in the world, you know, I'm going to be gravitate towards positivity, towards optimism. Um, you know, that drives me and that gives me more drive myself. How do you go about managing, you know, you, you stepped in as a fairly young man, you stepped in an environment uh, in China where you're managing not only cross-culturally, but you're managing some people probably a little bit older than you, maybe even more experienced in some ways. Um, you know, you talk about diversity, which I think is a super, super motivating thing for me. I love different views coming in, but they can be challenging. You know, there's a way to kind of, you know, there's a way to kind of manage through those. How do you get this vision and alignment, right? Sometimes I see a conflict between these two things. You want to get a vision. You have a vision. And maybe you as a leader have a place, have an area or a direction that you want your organization to go. But you're also wanting to respect diversity of opinion, you know, and kind of uh, different cultural sets, uh, people from different backgrounds, ages, genders, et cetera. How do you go about tying all of these things together and bringing alignment as a leader? I'll give my perspectives and my experience. I'm not saying it's, it's been completely right. And there's definitely been areas where I have failed. It might be the right word, maybe the wrong word, but definitely learned from. We have learning opportunities. That's what I think. You know, there, <laughs> there are things that come to us and we maybe don't get it right. No, no. And, you know, I actually, I'll come on to failure if we, we have time, because I think that's really important. Um, but. I, su I suppose it was being very clear in regards to where we can go, you know, and that's coming down to a very, very clear vision. And it's not naivety. It's having clear objectives of how we can achieve that. Um, and you have to get people to buy into that vision. You can't just have a, be a visionary leader, let's call it, and no one buys into it because then you don't get anywhere. So for me, it was having clear buy-in from specific people. And it's not just my vision. This was a collective vision that we that we had. And so, you know, that was very valuable in regards to you had clear buy-in from you know, key stakeholders. And as I said, you know, so much of that was driving that vision and then th those objectives. Um, and again, you know, could I have done it in a better way? I, I think about that now. You need to bring everyone with you to really buy into it. But I think, you know, so much of me believes that that, that drive, that passion does, you know, it gets people to gravitate to, to, to what you're doing. So I think it's being honest as well i think it's sitting down and speaking to everyone about what you're trying to achieve and why you know I, I think once you decide the why in anything you're doing the what doesn't really matter if you can get people to buy into the the why you're doing something and why are we collectively doing something the, the what doesn't matter because you know that's just the day-to-day -day. so i i think it's multi multifaceted it's not just you know one size fits all and it's not just one approach works for everyone it, you know it doesn't um but i think you know really being clear on just where we can get to and why we can do it um is probably you know i believe in all aspects of life kind of the best the best way to do things and as, as i talk about you know originally i may have driven people too too much without kind of clearly articulating the vision um and so i think now going into things it's it's really getting people to to buy into that and be brought with you rather than being driven by you so i think this idea of this vision i mean i what i'm hearing from you is this idea of Vision is kind of singular. 
right? There is a vision. We've all agreed on a kind of a place we want to be. Maybe the way we get there, maybe the tactics we use to get there can vary, right? You bring a perspective, I bring a perspective. Right or wrong, they're neither here nor there. But I, I feel like you as a leader are telling me that you're, you, you trust your people. Once we've agreed on a destination, you're kind of giving trust to these various diverse people to, to work towards something that we've all agreed on. I suppose from the outset, so if I use an example of the, the British Chamber of Commerce, we set a goal and a vision to kind of holistically reform the organisation, which is challenging. That's a huge challenge. It's transformation takes years. And so it did take years. We set a five-year vision. Um, and I think originally it was very much set top line. Um, and then I think years later, as I developed and grew as a manager, I realized it needs to be all of us. It needs to be all of us collectively setting our values, our objectives. And I think, you know, I can't say to someone, this is our company value. No, no, no. We collectively set our values. This type of, you know, group of business. No, no, no. We have to collectively set it. And so that's definitely something I learned by. You do need that clear vision and you do need that drive from whether it's the leadership of the organization, but you need to bring everyone with you. And I think that comes with, you know, really sitting down, you know, doing vision days, doing, you know, check-ins with people every, you know, week, month, whatever it might be, whatever people need. And People need different things and people want different things from, from work as well. And understanding that's absolutely fine. It was a small, you know, medium organization. Um, I think it's easier to actually manage a smaller organization some, and harder sometimes to manage a smaller organization, um, you know, because you can actually get that one-on-one -on -one time with people. But I do, you know, I, I reflect on my time. I think at the start, it was very much top line management drive. And now towards the end, it was very much collective. This is where we're going. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. And I think partly, you know, you've collected the people that have kind of come along with the vision as well, right? I mean, you've got a, you know, boards change every year, staff also change. People who come in new tend to be more part of the kind of the future of the organization. I, I have a question for you now, and I'm not sure if you want to answer this one or not. A recent interview I did was a guy called Robert Jordan, who's got Right Leader, Right Time. That's the book that he wrote. Right. Um, it was super interesting. Uh, I, I really enjoyed doing the interview. My question to you is, how did you know that it was time to leave? You know, it's an organization that's still going, it's still running today. I mean, it will keep running for a number of years. I mean, you could have had a career going on another 10 years. And I've seen, you know, there are people who, who run chambers of commerce uh, until they retire and there's nothing wrong with yep. that. How did you know that it was time to go? Exactly that, right leader, right time. I think, you know, six, seven years ago when I took over the organization, I was the right person for the role. Um, I'm entrepreneurial. I've got that drive. I've got that passion. And I've got that hard work. And I think that's what the organization needed at the time. Um, I was the, you know, ra you know, round peg for a round hole. That was what was needed at the time. I don't think people realized it. I think, you know, the background of former people who were in charge of the organization before was slightly different to me. Um, so, but I think I really hopefully won people over by, by the vision, but I think it's right people, right time. And I think I was needed in that organization for that period. Um, and now I think it's on a, it's on a different journey. Um, and so I think for me, very much looking at the organization, you know, it's a job I absolutely loved and it hit, you know, we've spoken about values, beliefs, um, skills, you know, it kind of hit a lot of these things for me. In fact, it hit all of them for me. Um, so it was an extremely tough job to leave, but I felt like I'd taken it to the level I'd taken it to. I don't think, you know, it would be maybe doing more, but a little bit better. Um, or, you know, did I want to have a look at a bigger challenge and not saying that the chamber wasn't a big challenge, but for me, I wanted to, to, you know, to move back to the UK for, for personal and professional reasons. Um, and I think 
the, the chamber is in a different situation now um, than, it, than it previously was. So it was all about the leader at the, the right time. Um, and I think the organization needs something different to what it needed back then. And I think hope, you know, we have got that through the, through the new managing director. So yeah, I think it, it comes back down to just knowing, leaving on the peak sometimes. I, th- I think that's what I... Yeah, go, go out at the top, right? I think with a job, with any job, right, is you can start to repeat yourself. You have a yeah. certain set of skills and maybe you have your go-to kind of... And if you're not learning as a leader, and I'm not saying this is where you were with the chamber at all, but I mean, you know, if you get to a point where you're even afraid that that might happen, right? You know, I've done yeah. kind of the, what I've done, what I wanted to do. I don't have the next, you know, the next five-year plan yet in my brain. Or I, you know, there's, there's kind of the goals and things that I personally want to do. It's, it's not a negative thing. I think, you, you know, it sounds like you kind of almost woke up one morning and thought, right? I mean, was it, was it instant? I mean, do you, do you know the moment you kind of, you wake up and you go, yeah, this is what I've got to do? Or did you kind of like germinate some idea over a number of months or? No, I, I think, you know, again, it's that destination, you know, when will ever be enough? It's not a final destination. So it's not sort of, I've done this, I'm ready to go. I've delivered everything I wanted. It was, you know, there could be absolutely more I could have I've driven, but it very felt, for me, it very much felt like, you know, am I going to just do more of the same, but maybe bigger or things like that? And I thought, well, actually, I would love a new challenge. I'd love, I would love a new opportunity and, a, and, a, and an, another challenge. So for me, some things in my life have, have happened and it's literally been that second and it's been a light bulb going off. And sometimes it does take a while to actually come to that conclusion yourself. Um, and I think this was very much the latter. It, it, it took a while to come to that conclusion myself. Um, obviously, lots of conversations you know, with my wife, even with the senior management of the board um, to understand actually what's the transition. Um, and I also think that's really important. I was so passionate and cared about the organization that I didn't want to be right. OK, cheers, guys, I'm off. It was actually a case of, look, this is where I'm thinking. This is this is my mindset now. Um, let's start thinking about this transition and this succession plan. Um, and that, we did that a year, year and a half in advance because it was very much that you know I don't want to just pull myself out from the system and it you know it has to rebuild itself. You know I wanted to make sure I leave on the in the, on the right terms. Um, you know and leave with with time to make sure that the organisation. You know it's almost like I become you know obsolete in the organization before I even leave the organization. Yeah, you have to make yourself obsolete almost, right? As a leader, you've got to leave yeah. an organization better than when you came in. Exactly. And I think, you know, a big part of me in life always thinks, you know, you pick something up and you've got to leave it in a, in a better place. And, and I really hope I've, I've done that with, the, with the, the organizations and, you know, everything I've tried to do, it, do in life. But certainly with work, I think it's also about, you know, it is about planning. It is about understanding that, you know, when I left on the Friday, there was a new manager on the Monday. You know, things go on. Things are different. And that's really, really critical. So I know that uh, I know that sport is very important for you. And you've talked about rugby before. And you and I have had conversations about rugby. I didn't grow up in a rugby society. Yeah. I grew up in Australian rules football society. But it's, you know, <laughs> sport itself, <laughs> sport itself does have a, a very big place in, in my life. Um, a lot of the leaders that I've talked to on this podcast are also very passionate about sports. You know, there's a, there's a very definite link, I think, between kind of uh, not necessarily like high level training, but at least uh, wake up in the morning, discipline, go work out, keep, you know, look after yourself. How important do you think, I mean, how important is your kind of sports background to, to your vision as a leader? So again, I'm, you know, I'm no professional sportsman or anything like that, but, you know, I do like training. Um, I love running um, and obviously I, I love rugby as well, but I, I think it's that it gives me the discipline. It gives me um, parameters of, of where I know I can push myself to. 
Um, it gives me time to think as well. For me, it's my big stress reliever in life. Um, you know, but I think I've learned so many principles from either exercise or sport that I translate to my personal life. I always say in rugby, you know, you walk off a rugby pitch, you know, it's a team sport, which is really, really critical. So it's understanding there's an individual and then the team, but then walking off the rugby pitch, I always say you can look in the mirror and you know exactly, you know, what you did. You know, you know, if you gave up on that tackle, you know, if you decided to not run that extra meter, you know, you know that, you know, you know that. And so for me, that's really, really critical. I always try to be my best self, you know, and, and that means, you know, I've got my failings and I've got my problems, but the truth is I know if I can be my best self, you know, I can look in my mirror and, and, and know and know that. And I think that's really, really important. So, so many parallels I've learned from the sporting world that I take to, to my professional life. For me, it's a huge part of my life. Um, a big part of me, how I got into kind of exercise and, and sport was I, when I was younger, 18, I broke my, my leg really, really badly. Um, all the ligaments in the, the ankle, six or seven operations when I was at university. And, you know, I really couldn't properly walk, put on a lot of weight. And I sort of jokingly thought I'd, I'd do a marathon. And then that was a, a joke that turned into a reality. And that just gave me such a drive, discipline. So much of that I've taken to my, my personal life. So, sorry, my professional life. So for me, it's, it, rugby is, is a, maybe a hobby, but leadership is, a, is my passion. Um, and I've learned a lot of that on the rugby pitch. You know, I think people take a lot of leadership, they take it across their whole life. You know, it affects your personal life, it affects your professional life, it affects your sporting life as well. I think there is definitely a kind of a, you know, we learn from every aspect of who we are, I think, and bring this to this leadership thing. I want to move on to, I mean, you've worked in China during what I think is a very formative period for the whole world, not just China. I mean, the last kind of 12, 13 years have seen the kind of digital revolution. We've seen work change. We've seen this whole buildup of the kind of like side hustle. We've seen the development of things like TikTok and uh, you know, the social media communication. Marketing has changed. The tools have changed in many ways. Just reflect back on that as someone who kind of, you know, started their career, let's say 13 years ago and has, and has had to grow up with this whole evolution of work culminating really in, in the COVID years where you're going full hybrid or uh, work from home kind of stuff. How have you seen work change over the last decades? Well, I suppose probably COVID has accelerated a transition that was taking place probably in my professional life, you know, what I experienced. Um, you know, what, one thing I, I learned, I think, from, from the COVID experience, whether you're a CEO, you're the most senior, the most junior, is everyone's got a story, everyone's got strengths, but also everyone has a, you know, everyone has a problem. And, you know, people have those stresses if it's personal or professional. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's really actually understanding that and maybe how you can support that so you know for me it, you know if i get stressed it's it, I, I might go for a run now maybe that's not the, the perfect solution to to that but i think a big part of that i've seen is there's there's been a huge transition i mean covid is just you know it's almost very difficult to talk about because there's so many different aspects there's there's working from home there's there's online there's you know the kind of the welfare that people have gone through during this period there's so many different kind of things to to pick into but I suppose, you know, what I've learned definitely from COVID is just to be more empathetic to people, whether it's the most senior, the most junior, you know, everyone's got a story, everyone's got a problem. And so how can we make people, as I say, the, you know, their best self? But there's so many you know, new challenges, you know, in 2023, there was, uh, you know, back at the 2019, you know, I can see coming back to, back to the UK, um, you know, the work environment has completely moved to online. 
um, you know, people are trying to transition to say, look, we need to get people back in the offices. And in London, it seems people go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, so, you know, that, that, that is a completely new challenge to, you know, what happened in 2019, where, you know, it might be people are trying to get, you know, home to put their kids to bed. So definitely, I think in 2023, like, you know, the COVID period for everyone has been such a challenge and everyone's got their, their story from it. I mean, obviously I've spent three years in, in China during COVID and, and that meant I couldn't come home and, and, and see my family. But we had our own challenges in, in China, which were very, very different to those in the UK, which were probably very different to, to what you faced. Um, and so I think it's just been cognizant that everyone has, a, has their own story um, and how you can get them to, to kind of be their best self. Let's go back to this and make it kind of a little bit more focused on leading teams. Leading teams working from home and leading teams that are in your office. Is there any difference for you? I mean, you, you're somebody who likes to build alignment, build a vision, get people working together. You have kind of, you know, you build activities and events, especially as part of your job. That's part of what you do is bring people together. How do you find leading people in a different environment? It's a challenge. So, but with challenges comes opportunity. So I think it's a case of- you I know, love your optimism, mate. I really do. Everything's, <laughs> <laughs> everything's well, but, it's a challenge, know, but it's an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's, you know, knowing when to push people, knowing when to pull people, knowing when to- ease off knowing when to people need the pressure. I mean, if I take, you know, COVID, I mean, China was the first country to go through COVID. We thought it'd be the first out, but turns out it was the last. Um, so we transitioned to this, this digital way of working very, very quickly. And again, you can either see that as a, as a problem or as an opportunity. I very much tried to see it as an opportunity um, in regards to how we could, you know, create new digital systems that would work for a you know a younger team and again like there's challenges with that and then there's there's opportunities but again it comes down to you know the people that you have in your organization i really trusted the people in the organization to, to get on with their work and do it but you need to put the parameters and the frameworks for them to do that um for them to feel respected when you can't speak to them every day um i mean again it might not be the same for everyone but how we created or put structure to our online working was was actually quite different to how we created structure to our offline working. I personally like the face-to-face -face contact. I think it's really important, but circumstances, you, you just can't have that. So instead of complaining, you need to look at systems that will make that, you know, utilize that, that better. So we went right the way through from online, back to offline, back to online, uh, back to offline. And, and I think it's about just understanding that they're different challenges and how you can utilize the workforce to, to, to better thrive in both environments. I personally prefer offline. You know, I prefer being in, in person with people. I think it's, I like the face-to-face. -face. I like meeting people. I like talking to people, but that's not for everyone. And actually some people thrive in the working from home, doing things digitally, you know, and that also allows them to have their own space. And that's sometimes really, really important for people. So understanding that everyone's different, understand it for me, there was no cookie cutter approach for the whole team that I would implement. Um, I think it's relatively unique to each individual, but I do think there's, there's opportunities in both. It's really interesting stuff. Thank you. I, I wanted to kind of move to, you've mentioned a couple of times uh, failure and uh, said if we had time and maybe as a kind of a final, as a final piece, I want to have a look at that. Obviously there's some stories that you, <laughs> you either do or don't want to share, but I mean, learning from failure or how you use failure for your success or something. What do you want to share with us about your kind of, you know, facing up to failure? Yeah. I mean, so failure has been a big driver in, 
in my not life per se but just what i think personally and, and and professionally and it comes back down to persistence it comes back down to hard work it comes back down to i think success come comes in overalls i mean when i interview people for me probably the most important question i ask is you know can you give me a time when you failed um you know i'm not actually interested in the, the specific incident per se i'm interested in in what they learned from it what what happened you know, often some people will say, I've never failed. I go, ah, oh, okay. Um, or it's, you know, I failed to get this report in time, but I still did the report. They're not really thinking about knowing what I'm asking for. But the, the point is, failure is, is so, so important. And so I think you've got to push through failure to, to learn how you can get to success. And I think I learned this quite a long time ago is failure is pushing through crap. And crap is criticism, rejection, arseholes, and pressure. And you've got to push through the crap to get to, to the success. And I think you learn from failure. I, I think I never mind anyone failing because they've got to learn from it. I never mind people taking a risk. That's so important. And you've got to be willing to fail to get through that. And I think you look at some of the deem the most successful people in the world, they have been willing to risk the failure to get to where they are and they have failed, um, but they've learned from it, they've developed and they've come out stronger. So, you know, there's been lots of times in my life I've failed and I'm still, you know, do things that I would deem I fail at, but I learn from that. It makes me stronger in a way. Every failure makes you stronger if you learn from it. So for me, I think that's really, really important. And I think as a leader as well, understanding that and allowing people the space to fail, to learn, to develop, to grow, that drives a stronger team. And I think if fail and that is the end of everything, then you know, you're not going to be willing to risk things. And I think that drives a more creative, more dynamic environment if if you can, but you've got to learn, you know, I'm not saying failure is a good thing. I'm not, you know, but it's, it, I think it's a really interesting way of approaching it. And again, it comes back down to seeing opportunities in problems. The way my mind works is there's, there's a problem. There's a solution. There's never just a problem. There's a solution to every problem. And it's, it's just finding if this one doesn't work. Okay. We go to the next one. Okay. That doesn't work. We go to the next one. I mean, that's the persistence that I think is, is critical. So kind of, I've always said like the, there's four elements I think, which is really important to I suppose life and work is, is passion, I think is critical, um, hard work, persistence and failure. Yeah, I think Steve, that is literally the perfect moment for us to finish. I just want you to do that for me one more time. What are the four things? Let's just remind people before we say goodbye. So I think the, the four things to success in life, success is not a destination, but to success is number one is passion. Number two is hard work. Three is persistence and four is failure. What I've heard from you today, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. I think one of the things I get from you really is this idea of being positive. I think that's a super important thing. You want to surround yourself with positive people and be positive yourself. Learning from mistakes is obviously a big thing for you. It's the scientific method. You put it out there, you do it, you get failure, you learn what would work, and then you redo it and do it again. You keep going back. And this comes back to your kind of your final statement that you gave to us all, which is just genius. And I'm going to leave you as the final kind of one saying that. This idea, passion, hard work, persistence and failure. And really, I would say that failure is really learning from those mistakes and taking, yeah. those, uh, taking that learning on just to get better the next time out. And I think if anybody could, list, uh, could follow those four things, I think they would have, as you have had, a very successful career. And I wish you all the best with your continuing career. Thank you very much, Steve. I really appreciate it. It's been a very interesting conversation. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks. You can listen to this podcast live on the fourth Monday of every month on ICRT and after that on the ICRT website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Leadership Matters by Stephen Parker. 
You can also check out my social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Look for my tagline, Leader Matters. We'll see you next time.